Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. What's going on? How's everybody doing? Come on, let's put our hands together. Let's, uh, let's welcome, welcome not only those who are watching online, but all of our locations today. A special shout out to Orange Park and St. John's. Come on, let's welcome them in the experience today. We're so glad that you guys are with us. We are in our six hot weekends. And wouldn't you know it, our air conditioner broke this morning. So, so you guys are, are a lot better off than the 930. We told the 930 we just kind of wanted to let them have the full immersion experience. You know, like it's six hot weekends. We wanted them to feel it. We also heard that our church in Orlando, their AC broke this morning. Come on, one church, many campuses, same problems. You know what I'm talking about. But man, it's so, so good to be back. Uh, you know, every uh, year, this time of year, I, I just take a... Uh, few weekends off of preaching to kind of get rejuvenated. We've also done some travel. Carrie and I had a getaway, and then we did our summer vacation with the kids. How many of you parents know that after family vacation, that's when you really need a vacation? You know what I'm saying? But it's been great. It's been great to be back, and I really want to encourage all of you, listen, that second weekend in July, that serve day is going to be phenomenal. We are going to see some really powerful things as we really get out there into the highways and byways and show the love of Jesus. It's going to be an outreach like no other in the history of the church. So you just, I know we're all, you know, it's summer and kids are out and travel and all that kind of stuff, but you need to make sure and be here that weekend. That's uh, Sunday or Saturday, uh, July 11th and Sunday, July 12th. But today we have with us a, a very dear friend of mine, a guest speaker. Man, you guys are going to love him. I'm telling you, it was such a great message at the 930. And he told me that the 1130 was going to be better than the 930. And then if you're attending uh, our five o'clock service, it's somehow it's just going to be even better. But he's a dear friend of, of ours and carrying mine, Todd and Julie Mullins. They pastor Christ Fellowship Church down in West Palm Beach. And uh, they now have over 20,000 in weekend attendance, multiple campuses. Uh, Todd and I serve on the board of uh, the Association of Related Churches together. We've been friends a long time, but it's the first time we've had him here at Celebration. And I'm telling you, you guys are going to love him. So come on, church. I want you to put your hands together and give the best celebration welcome you can for Pastor Todd Mullins. Oh, it's a great message. Love you. Hey, church, how we doing? Good? Good to be seated. It is truly an honor for us to be here today. We love your church. We love your pastors. Pastor Kerry and Pastor Stovall are some of the greatest people in all the world. Pastor Stovall's been down preaching for us and uh, down in South Florida. I think that's why we're growing so much is because he's been speaking over our church. And, and uh, man, we love you. We love what God's doing through celebration. You guys are winning Jacksonville for Jesus, right? OP, St. John's. Man, here's what I figure. You, now you're taking over Orlando. You guys just keep working your way south. We'll work our way north, and somewhere around Daytona, we'll meet up, and we'll win Jesus all over the state of Florida. How about that? Is that good? I believe it. Hey, as I, uh, as I was praying about this weekend when Pastor Stovall asked me to come and share, I really began praying, God, what is it that you want to speak over your house 
this weekend? What do you want to say to your people? Because there's lots in the Word of God we could preach about, but what does God want to speak over you today and over your family and over your situations and your relationships? And I believe the Word that God put on my heart is for every one of us today. It doesn't matter how young or old you are. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor you might be. It doesn't matter if you're divorced or singled or married. It doesn't matter. This word of God, if you open up and get your spirit ready, is going to bless you right where you are because it deals with something that all of us have in common. You look around the room and all, all of our campuses, we're all very different, but there's a few things we have in common. And one of the things that we all have in common is our life is filled up with relationships. We got relationships in our family, we got relationships at work, we got relationships with our neighbor and our friends. They're all around us. And I would venture to say that if you're like me, you've got at least one or two relationships that could use some help. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody here got, a, at all of our campus, you got a relationship problem, you got at least one relationship, show of hands, come on, be honest, you got at least one problem, and how many of you, that problem is sitting right next to you, right now, right there? <laughs> Turn and tell them this message is for you, all right? This is gonna be good today. Hey, you know what, here's what I know about life. Life is all about relationships. You turn on TV and guess what? The TV programs, they got talk shows about relationships. Oprah's talking about relationships. Dr. Phil's talking about relationships. All the, uh, the reality shows are really all about relationships. You, you go online to look on books about relationships. I did that this past week. Do you know that if you search for books on relationships, over 300,000 different titles come up that you can read to try to help your relationship. I pulled a few of my favorites. I think they got a picture of it. The first one is this, irritating the ones you love. How about that, right? Some of you know the person that wrote that book, right? How about this one? Enough about you, let's talk about me, right? That's most people's favorite book when it comes to relationships. Or what about this one? Uh, uh, how to deal with annoying people. Some of you got some annoying people in your life, amen? You can walk out today, they might even have one in the bookstore for you, I don't know, right? But here's what I know, life is all about relationships. When your relationships are good, life seems good. But when relationships start to stink, life seems to stink, right? You know why that is? It's because you've been created for relationship. You've been created first and foremost with a re for relationship with God, but also with a relationship with other people. You've been created to, to be in relationship, to be loved, and to love in return, to have a place where you belong and people, a tribe that you belong to. You're wired for that. And so what I know is nothing can wreck your life like a wrecked relationship. Everything in life can be going good, and then when that relationship turns south on you, it could be a friendship, your, your, your BFF goes MIA, you know, missing in action. What happened? What I say? What I do, right? Somebody walks out, arguments stir up. Man, it can turn anything upside down. And here's what the other side is true, too. You can face about any difficulty in life as long as the people that are closest to you are standing with you. You know what I mean? If you've got, if you've got a problem financially or you go through problems physically, you can face all that as long as the people around you are right there with you. And so what I want to talk about today is how do we breathe life into our relationships? Even relationships that you think right now, you think about, the, think about the one relationship that you think needs the most help. It could be with a friend, a family member, something that just seems so far gone. I want to tell you today, God can breathe life into that relationship. So I've called this message Mouth to Mouth. Some of you need a little mouth-to-mouth -to -mouth today, okay? We're gonna do some Holy Spirit CPR on your relationships and on your families. You ready for it? If you have your Bibles, open them up with me to Mark chapter five. So we're gonna start reading in verse 21. Mark chapter five, verse 21. This is what it says. 
When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd had gathered around him while he was by the lake. And one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And so Jesus went with him. Now, a little side note to this story. This is stories told in several of the, of the Gospels. It's told in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, where, it's, where, where the same story is told. But I want you to see how it's worded. It says this. On his return, Jesus was welcomed by the crowd. They were, say those last two words with me out loud. They were expecting him. They were expecting him. One version says they were, they were looking for him. I want to tell you something. There is power in expectancy. When you are expecting Jesus to show up, there's a power that comes with that because what that is is you're saying, I believe Jesus can do what no one else can do. Expectancy says, I believe God is gonna move because he is a moving God. I believe God can heal because he's a God that heals. I believe God is gonna speak and so I'm listening because he is a speaking God. That's what expectancy is in our relationship with God. It's all about, that's faith, that's what that is. Expectancy is living with a sense of faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what you don't see. So there may be something in your relationship today that you don't see. There may be something that you're hoping for. I wanna tell you today, you can look for Jesus and he's gonna bring what you're looking for today. He is, he, he is more than able. So well, that doesn't matter how long it's been broken, he can fix it. Doesn't matter how hopeless the circumstance or situation may be, let me tell you what, hope is his middle name. He can bring hope in Jesus' name. Now listen, this story, I was reading it, and I noticed that Jairus didn't have faith for himself. He actually had faith for somebody else. It was for his daughter to get well, right? He, he had faith to believe that Jesus could do something for somebody else. And I started to realize, you know what? The same is true for you and me. We can actually believe for people that don't know how to believe for themselves. They don't even know how to spell the word faith, so how can they have faith? But guess what? You can have faith for them. You, you, you've seen God do things that they haven't seen. So that stirs up faith inside of you to believe God for them, right? See, I've seen God do things that other people haven't seen, maybe. I've seen God heal marriages that were already on the brink of divorce. They had already divorced. They had already separated, living in separate homes. And I saw God restore that marriage and that family back together again because somebody kept praying, kept holding on, kept believing. And got it back, not to just where it was. Man, took it to where it had never been before. That's what God can do. I've seen God heal bodies. I've seen God heal cancer. I've seen God raise up people from the dead. We had a man in our church that was dead. He was pronounced dead in the hospital, in the emergency room. They, they pronounced him dead. They put the sheet up over his head. He was dead. One of the other doctors that went to our church walked by the man that was dead, and the Holy Spirit told him, go back and pray for him. He said, what? He walked back into the room and he said, are you sure? God said, pray for him. I wanna raise him up from the dead. I'm not lying to you. So Dr. Crandall got over, just laid his hand on him and said, in Jesus' name, be raised back to life. In Jesus' name, God, bring life back into his body. All of a sudden, the monitors that were still plugged up onto him started going beep, 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 beep. The nurse looked at the doctor and said, what have you done? What have you done? Well, what he did was obey the Holy Spirit and that dead thing came back to life again. That man is fully alive. And uh, 
God gave him a second chance because he was not going to the light. There was no light where he was going, right? He hadn't, he hadn't turned his life over to Jesus yet. And now, man, he got baptized. He's in the church. He's fine. He's healthy. He's whole. Man, God can raise the dead back to life again. So let me ask you, what's your problem? What problem are you facing today? What situation, maybe in a relationship or in your family, or you think it's too far gone? Let me tell you, with Jesus, nothing is too far gone, okay? So, Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And along the way, this woman who's been sick for 12 years, she'd gone to all the doctors, spent all her money, it said, trying to get healed. Nobody could help her. She's crawling on her hands and knees through the crowd, trying to just touch the hem of his garments. So she knows, man, Jesus can do for me what nobody else has been able to do for me. Maybe some of you have been looking for somebody else to solve your problems. Let me tell you today, Jesus is the only one who can solve that problem that you're dealing with. He's the only one you gotta, so, so she reaches out to Jesus, she's healed, she's like, stands up and she's like, woo, I feel healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And, and it's her, and this is what he says in verse 34. He says, daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Your faith, your faith, your expectancy, that you actually believe that I could do something for you. See, that had to come first. That there had to be a sense of expectancy in her that said no matter how impossible the circumstance looks, I know there is one who can make a difference in my life, and it did. Now, as great as that is, she's all healed, Woo, she's happy, right? While this is all happening, someone comes from Jairus' home and whispers in Jairus' ear, he says, hey, listen, forget about it. Don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter died. Imagine the despair that must have filled Jairus' heart. He was probably mad at that woman, you know, for touching, <laughs> you got in our way, you know? He was, had to be brokenhearted. His daughter, his daughter died. There was nothing, what, what do you do then? Well, look what Jesus said, what you do then. Look what Jesus said. Verse 36, look what it says here. It says, ignoring what they said. Let me read that again. Ignoring what they said. Sometimes you gotta ignore what they say. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got people around you that are negative, people around you that are full of doubt, people around you just pulling you down. You need to shut them out. You need to ignore what they say, right, and keep going. That's what you need to do. You might have a bad doctor's report. Let me tell you, you got another report right here. So tell me, which report do you wanna believe, right? Let's believe that God is able. Let's believe that God can move a mountain. You might, you might have divorce papers served to you. Do you know what? God can move that mountain. He made the mountains so he can tell them where they need to go, right? He is a, more than able. He says, ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue rulers, don't be afraid, only believe. Say that with me out loud. Don't be afraid, only believe. It may look dead, it may feel dead, and I believe that somebody here today is in a situation where it feels dead. You might have walked into this church today and you're at one of our campuses and you're full of anxiety, you're full of despair. There's somebody has spoken something over you that says it's over and it's hopeless. I want you to know this is the word of the Lord to you today. Don't be afraid, only believe. I don't care if they said it's impossible. Impossible is where our God gets started, right? That's right where he shows up. Because when it's possible, you don't need him to do anything. It's only when it's impossible that you need, oh God, right? That's when he shows up. See, sometimes when things feel like they're falling apart, they might just be falling into place, okay? Because for Jairus, he thought it was falling apart. He just got the worst news he could get. No, 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 it wasn't falling apart. It was just falling into place. Jesus was getting ready to show up and set it all right, right? See, here's what I know. Sometimes the place of our greatest disappointment can become the platform for their greatest miracle. 
Let me say that again. Sometimes the place of my greatest disappointment can become the platform for my greatest miracle because I'm in, I'm in a place where, God, I need you so much. See, we all want a miracle. Oh, God, give me a miracle. Well, do you actually know that you gotta have a problem before you need a miracle? Think about that. That's the only way you get a miracle is you gotta have a problem. And the bigger miracle you need is probably because the problem just got bigger, right? See, there's no, there's no miracle without a mess. So if you're in the middle of a mess today in some part of your life, let me give you a word today. Man, this is for you. There's no, there, you can get, you know what the Bible says? Bible calls you an overcomer, right? The Bible says you are more than an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? That means there's gonna be some battles you gotta overcome. Think about it, right? The Bible calls you more than a conqueror. Well, then could that mean that probably there's gonna be some things I'm gonna have to fight through? Yes, you're gonna have to conquer some things. So if you're in the battle today, man, if you're struggling with some stuff, man, don't lose hope, don't get discouraged. You are more than a conqueror. God is with you, he is able. So don't fear, do not be afraid, it says here. Do you know that in the Bible, that is the most common command given to us? The most common command is not about love. The most common command is not about fear. The most common command, I mean, is not about uh, obedience or prayer. The most common command is about fear. 366 times there are scriptures that says, do not be afraid, fear not, I am with you. 366, that's one for every day of the year, including leap year. You're covered, baby, every day, man. Do not be afraid, only believe. So Jesus tells Jairus this, they get to his home, Everybody's weeping and crying. Look what it says in verse 39. So Jesus went in and said to them, wow, this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him, and after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went to where the child was. He took her by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the little girl stood up and walked around. That which was dead was brought back to life. Now, there's so much in this story for us today as we unpack it, right? I mean, I could preach on this for like two or three hours, but I know I've only got about 20 minutes. So here we go, right? So stay with me. The first truth that jumps out to me is if we want to see God's power in our relationships, if we want to see God's power in our families and in our friendships, the first thing you have to do, write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Get to Jesus, Say that with me out loud. We gotta get to Jesus. Sounds simple, but critical for you to find the life that we're talking about today. You gotta get to Jesus. See, Jairus knew he had to get to Jesus. He knew there was this one that could maybe save his daughter. He didn't care what anybody else thought about him. He said, I gotta get to Jesus. I mean, think about it. He was a synagogue leader. The synagogue leaders did not like Jesus. They were the ones that, you know, took, took, put him on the cross. They didn't like Jesus. But he said, I don't care if what people think about me. I don't care if it ruins my reputation or my career. I am desperate to get to Jesus. I started thinking, you know, Jairus must have known about Jesus. He must have heard stories about Jesus and what Jesus could do, right? But guess what? That wasn't enough. He had to get to Jesus personally himself, didn't he? I started thinking, the same is true for you and me. It's never enough just to know about Jesus. We have to know Jesus. We gotta know him personally. We gotta, you gotta get to him personally. You can't just hang back in the crowd, man. You gotta reach out and connect with him personally. Just like that woman did. She, she could have hung out in the crowd. That would have brought her healing. She had to get to Jesus personally. And if you wanna see God work a miracle in your life, you gotta get to Jesus. Don't hold back. You gotta get to him no matter what you're doing. Blessed are the desperate, I think. I think that's ought to be a new blessed. Blessed are the desperate, man, because they're gonna get to Jesus. They're, they're not gonna let anyone keep them from the only one that can actually do something about their problem. 
We're gonna get to Jesus. We're gonna tear the roof off the house if we have to to get to Jesus, right? We're gonna be like Zacchaeus. We're gonna climb up in a tree so we can see Jesus, right? I don't care. I'll trade my dignity for an encounter with deity any day of the week. I gotta get to Jesus, right? I'm gonna put mud on my eyes, Jesus. Just wipe the mud on there. I wanna see you. See, I'm afraid we're not desperate enough for Jesus. I'm afraid sometimes I think I can figure it out a different way. You know, we'll just watch Dr. Oz. We'll see what he has to say. Dr. Phil, what's he talking about, right? We'll go on WebMD, try to figure it out, eat some kale. We'll be good, right? (laughs) Kale's nasty, y'all. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) I don't know who said we should eat that, but that is nasty stuff. Then they juice it and put it, forget about it, right? We're gonna be desperate for Jesus. There's only one that can make the difference. We gotta get to Jesus. And maybe some of you are here today and you've been in the crowd but today's the day that you're actually gonna reach out and touch him and you're gonna connect with him. And you're doing that right now, by the way. You're getting to Jesus right now. When you gathered here today at all of our campuses, you are getting to Jesus because Jesus said in Matthew, he said, well, two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. That means he's here. Oh, he's here for you today. How great is that? So you're already getting to Jesus. And you may say, well, Todd, isn't he everywhere? Isn't, isn't, isn't Jesus everywhere? Isn't he at the beach? I mean, can't I have church on the beach? Can't I have church? Isn't he at the mall? You know, yeah, God is omnipresent. Jesus is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's at the beach. I don't know if he's at the mall or not, but he's at the beach for sure, right? But there is a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. There's a difference. There's a difference between the presence of God at Walmart today. He's there at Walmart. I've done one of the, He's there. But there's a different presence of God when his children gather together and say, Father God, have your way in our life. Father God, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We lift our hearts and our voices to you. We want you to do in us what only you can do. Man, God shows up in a manifestation way that is different than the omnipresent way, right? So you're here today. You're getting to Jesus. And let me just say this. Parents, you gotta get your kids to Jesus. A few chapters later, uh, three chapters later in Mark 10, you're gonna, you would, if you were reading that, you'd see that these people are bringing all their kids to Jesus. They were wanting Jesus to get in the presence of Jesus. And as parents, that is your most important responsibility in life. More important than getting them a good education, that's good. More important than making sure they're good at sports. Sports are great. More important than another weekend away at Disney World. Dear God, they don't, don't need that. But what they do need is they need Jesus. And so you gotta get them to where Jesus is. Not, not once a month, not every other week or when it's convenient. Always get them in the presence of Jesus because the greatest responsibility we have as parents is to make sure our kids are ready to meet God because one day they will stand face to face before their creator and the only thing that matters is not gonna be their GPA. It's not gonna be a matter how popular they were. The only thing that's gonna matter is do they know Jesus personally, up close and personal. So get to Jesus, amen? The second secret is found In verses 39 and 40, look what happened. Look what Jesus had to do before the miracle could actually take place in the home. There was something that had to happen before the miracle could take place. And some of you are needing a miracle in your home. You're needing a miracle in your family. You're needing a miracle in a friendship. You're needing God to intervene. There's something that had to happen before the miracle could take place. And this is really important. He said to them um, in verse 39, the child is not not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him, and he, say those words with me, put them all out. He put them all out. For you to experience everything that God wants to do in your home, in your relationships, in your family, you have to kick out the doubt. You gotta kick out anything 
that sets itself up against the truth of God. That's what it is. Jesus had to get rid of it before the miracle could happen. All the things that could cause disbelief, all the naysay, all the people laughing, all the people mocking the things of God, anything that set itself up against the truth, Jesus could not even work the miracle until they were kicked out. So you know what that tells me? That means that we have to do the same if we wanna see that miracle happen in our homes. And, and doubt or disbelief, here's a definition I've got for disbelief. You can write this down to help you think of it. Anything that stands in opposition to the truth of God. So there's, if there's anything in your relationship, in your family, anything that stands in opposition to what the Bible teaches us, that causes disbelief. So there's belief in God that he's able and that his word is true and that if I walk in his ways, there's a blessing for me and that there's disbelief. Every word, every, everything that pulls me away from the truth of God. So you have to ask yourself, what does that look like in our homes? Well, it could, it could be doubt. It could be even Think, stinking thinking that you got going on in your head that, well, you know, it's just, it's, I guess it's never gonna get any better than this. What do you mean? The best is always yet to come with Jesus, right? With Jesus, the, the rest of your life is the best of your life. So I'm gonna believe that God has more in store for me. But if you think, oh, no, it's, just, oh, it's been this way for so long, it's never gonna change, guess what? It's never gonna change. Because it's gonna be unto you according to your faith is what the Bible says. So I wanna, I wanna kick out anything that I've set up or allowed to bang around in my head as a truth that is, opposite to the ways of God or the thinking of God. So no doubt, I'm not gonna let doubt, no negative talk, I'm not gonna let that happen in my heart or in my family or in our relationship, we're gonna kick that out. It could be sin. Sin sets itself up against the truth of God. Any sin in our life is really just we're believing a lie that is not from the truth of God. We think we need that to be fulfilled. We think if we get that, we'll be happy, right? So is there any sin that maybe uh, you've been condoning or allowing, going, nah, it's not that really that big of a deal, you know, I think, Everybody kind of does that. Well, guess what, Jack? You're not everybody. God's got great things in store for you. God's got a future and a hope and a blessing for you, for you and your family and your future family and what he wants to do down the road with you. But you gotta, you know, don't, don't condone sin. Confess it and turn and say, I don't want anything in my life, God, anything in our relationship that is opposed to your word because we need you in our relationship, all right? So it could be doubt. It could be sin. It could be attitudes, right? It could just be the way you treat each other in your home. If you've, if you've allowed certain things to just become the norm, little put downs. I mean, if, you're, if your relationships sound more like an episode of South Park, you need to change the channel, Jack. I mean, just change that channel. There's, God's got more for you than that, all right? So anything that sets itself up, we have to recognize it. You have to identify it and say, that, is, that has got to be kicked out. This is what Paul says we're supposed to do in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And once you say that last part with me out loud at all of our campuses, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, every attitude, every word, we take it captive. We look at it and we make it come under the obedience of the word of God, right? So let me ask you before we move off this point, is there anything that you need to take captive today? Anything in your relationships that, that you need to take captive and take under control and say, you know what, we're not gonna let that happen anymore. Maybe it's, maybe it's something you've condoned or it's just become a part of your household or what's going on in your family or in your relationships and you're gonna say, you know what, today's gonna be the day we change that. Let me say this to all the dads in the house, right? Hey dads, you gotta set the tone. Man, it is on you to set the tone. And you can say, well, I know my kids want to do that, or we just always done that. Hey, man, set, set a new tone. And it's never too late to set a new tone. Because remember, Jairus' daughter was dead, but doubt was kicked out, and life came in. It's never too late 
for you to do this. You know, what I know is every week around here, there are people that are coming saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start over with Jesus. Every week around here at this church, man, people are coming and saying, I wanna start a new life, a new beginning. I want a new way of thinking. The old way is not working for me. I need a new way. And you can do that today as well. So kick out the doubt is the second one. The third secret I see in this point uh, from the story comes in, um, in verse 41. Where Jesus goes into the room, he takes her by the hand and he says to her, Talitha Kaum. Say those words with me. Talitha Kaum. You know you wanted to see if you could say it. Little girl, get up. And immediately the little girl got up. Third point, you gotta speak life over your relationships. You gotta speak Talitha Kaum. You gotta speak words that speak life over your marriage. You gotta speak words that speak life over your children. You gotta speak words that speak life over your friendship. Those, you, you have the power to bring life into your relationships and into things that have been dead by the power of your word. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that the word has the power to bring life or to bring death. Your words, your, your words can speak life or your words can tear down and destroy, and you get to choose what, which one it's going to be. Now, see, the problem is we love to talk, don't we? We love to talk, 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 talk. They actually say that there are people that get a euphoric high hearing their own voice talk. You know, it's, it has an opium-like effect on their brain. Do you know somebody like that? Are they sitting next to you? I saw you like looking at them and say, that's you right there. <laughs> yeah, you know it is, right? They say that you will open your mouth 700 times a day just to, just to start talking. That one-fifth of your life will be spent talking. So that means all the time you spend sleeping and eating and all the other stuff you do, but one-fifth of your life is spent talking. In fact, in a given year, you will talk enough words, speak enough words to fill up 50,000 pages of a book. 50,000 pages? What? Some of you are like, that's no problem. I've already done that, and it's only June, baby, right there, right? <laughs> Just need to shut up then, you talk too much. <laughs> the problem is because we love to talk, it gets us in trouble, right? We say things and we're like, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. Wish I could take that back. You ever done that where you, it's coming out and you're like, oh, this is, I'm gonna get in trouble for this, right? Because we talk and those words don't bring life. Well, I got a verse for you. This is my verse. This is the verse that I have had to memorize in my spirit. Psalm 141 says this, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Leave that one up because some of you need to write that down. You need to just write that down in your notes. Tape it to your mirror in the morning. Just pray, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Oh, Lord, today, you know, keep watch over the doors of my lips. One version says, put a muzzle on my mouth, God, right? Put a muzzle me up because I don't want to say anything that's going to tear down. Mother Teresa has this quote. She says, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. When you speak a kind word, to a friend, when you speak a kind word to a loved one, when you speak a kind word, you know what? Especially to the people closest to you because we have a tendency to sometimes treat the people closest to us the worst. Think about that, right? Yeah, um, you'll be nicer to the barista at Starbucks than you'll be to your own mom sometimes, you know, or your own family. Ah, get it yourself, jerk, you got two feet, right? You know, you'd never talk that way. If I came over to your house today after church and you're like, hey, can I get you something to eat or something to drink? You'd be like all falling over, hey, can I help you, Pastor Todd? And, and somebody else in your family asked you to get something out of the garage. You're like, you got two feet, dude, get it yourself. Leave me alone, right? But what happens if you would turn that and you would be the kindest to the people that you're closest to? That you would, you would intentionally find kind words to speak over those relationships and over those friendships and to those people. So I want to just give you one little homework assignment on this point today. Okay, I don't know if Pastor Stovall ever gives you homework, but I want to give you this homework. Before you go to bed tonight, 
I want you to take two of the people that are closest to you, and I want you to speak at least one kind word to them. Look at them in the eye, get them on the phone, speak a kind word, because kind words will bring life into your relationship. If you want Jesus to come in, you gotta speak life, speak a little Talitha Kum. But there's one last point from this story that I wanna bring out, and it's really the most important point of the entire story. In fact, if you get nothing else from what I have come to share with you this weekend, um, I, I would pray that you would get this point in your spirit, and that's this. You have to take Jesus home. You have to take him home. Because look in the story, nothing changed in the story until Jairus took Jesus home with him. The girl was dead, there was no miracle, there was no hope, there was no life. Nothing changed until Jairus took Jesus home with him. And the same is true for us. You can come here every week, you know, get your praise on, heaven and earth collide off of the glory. Oh, Jesus, right? You get going, get singing, come down, kneel. Oh, you get going. Pastor Stowell's got a great word. But if you don't take it with you, nothing's gonna change. If you don't take it out of these doors, nothing's gonna give. You gotta take it home with you. Listen, your faith isn't about what happens here. In fact, what happens here doesn't stay here. This is not Las Vegas, okay? You know what I'm saying? And truth is, what happens in Las Vegas doesn't stay in Las Vegas either, but that's another sermon altogether, okay? False marketing. The truth is, what happens here is supposed to change everything out there. What happens here is supposed to change the way I talk to my wife. What happens here is supposed to change the way I treat my neighbor. What happens here is supposed to affect the way I talk to my friends and even what I talk about. What happens here will even change how I, what my priorities are, what I give my life to. What happens here has got to flow out. So don't compartmentalize your faith. So many people put their faith in different boxes. They compartmentalize their lives. You know, I've got this part of my life is my God life and the rest of this is my Friday night life and this is my school life and this is my work life and we got all these different lives. No, 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 you don't have different lives. You got one life. Don't compartmentalize your faith. It's like in your house or your apartment, you've got different rooms. You've got a kitchen and you've got a bedroom and you've got a bathroom, all these different rooms. And some people, their faith is they got a Jesus room. And so on Sunday mornings, they go in to that Jesus room and oh, woo, glory to God. Or they might go in there and pray on a Monday morning. But then they close the door and they go into the rest of their life. And what Jesus is saying is, I don't wanna be a room in your house. I wanna be the foundation that all the rooms are built on. And when you build your life on me, you have a strong home, strong family, strong relationships. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, he said, if you take these teachings, if you take my commands and you actually build your life on them, you're a wise builder. That means that when the storms of life come and they will come, when the problems of life come and the waves crash in, you will not be shaken. Maybe you're here today and there's been some shaking going on in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family. Guess what, it's never too late to start building the foundation you need. You can start today. You can start today by saying, I'm, Jesus, I'm gonna take you home, I'm gonna take your truth home, I'm gonna speak life over my marriage, over my kids, over the situation, God, at work. I'm gonna start to believe, God, that you can do it. I'm gonna get to you today. I'm gonna find everything that you need, and I promise that when you do this, I promise dead things will come to life again. Because the Spirit of God cannot come into a home or come into a family, and other spirits have to leave. 
right? So when you bring the Spirit of God with you out of this place, man, His Spirit is there, and His Spirit unifies, and His Spirit heals, and His Spirit delivers. And so I'm going to pray today that God will do that in your heart and in your family and in your relationships. And all of our campuses, would you bow with me as we pray? Father God, I thank you for your word that is truth and it's life to us today. It, it tells us where we should go and how we find our way. And maybe today you've lost your way. Maybe today you're here and you have lost your way in your family or in your relationships, in your marriage. Today's the day you can put Jesus right back where he needs to be, right in the center. So I wanna pray a first prayer for those of you that just have a specific desperate need in a family or a friendship, some relationship that you would say, Todd, I need prayer for our relationship in a special way. If that's you today, I'm gonna pray a prayer. You would say, Todd, just include me in that prayer. Right where you are, just raise your hand up in the air. Say, Todd, include me in this prayer today that, that Jesus would speak life over my marriage, over my friendship, over my home. Father God, you see these hands that are raised in the air all across our campuses today, Father, and I pray that as we're reaching out to you, that God, you would reach back and that you would minister hope and life. God, that you would heal and restore marriages and that God, the, the wayward son or daughter, the prodigal son would turn home, that the husband or the spouse that is far from you, God, today you would draw them to yourself, I pray in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray with our heads bowed, you lower your hands. And if you're here today and say, Todd, um, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. My friend, let me tell you, there is one relationship that will affect every other relationship in your life. And if you get that one relationship right, man, it brings everything else into its proper place. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about joining a church. We're talking about having a relationship with God. And if you don't have that relationship, or if that relationship needs to be reestablished today in this place, I wanna pray a prayer with you. And if that's you today, and you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer, because I want God to come in and make everything new. I want him to come in and take away the old and make it new today. He'll do that today as you reach out for him. And so if that's you, as I pray this prayer, would you raise your hand up in the air and just hold it up high for me, saying, Todd, I want God to come in and make everything new. Yeah, just hold your hands up high so I can see it. Yeah, yeah, all across the room. Hold it up high for me. We're gonna pray a prayer together. And I want you all to pray it with me, okay? Everybody pray it out loud. But those with your hands up in the air, this is your prayer today. This is your new day. This is your new beginning. So say this, say, dear Lord Jesus. Say it again, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me just the way I am. Come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin and make me a new person from the inside out. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, church, would you give praise today for those that made that decision? Let's stand together. Let's declare today, by His stripes we're healed. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.